0: Well, in an article, some of you may be familiar with an individual by the name of Michael Horton, in an article called The Ordinary Christian Life. And so I was able to receive, even over the last uh, several weeks, um, a number of uh, different articles um, that some different folks, um, whether they sent them to me or talked to me about them, but one of them particularly had to to deal with um, Michael Horton. And in an article called The Ordinary Christian Life uh, by Michael Horton, he says the following. Radical, epic, revolutionary, transformative, impactful, life-changing, extreme, awesome, emergent, innovative, on the edge, alternative, explosive, breakthrough, whole new level. He goes on then to ask... Whatever happened to ordinary? Whatever happened to ordinary? He says further, ordinary has to be one of the loneliest words in the evangelical church vocabulary. There is this constant call for more experiences that are highly emotional, radical, edgy, relevant and trendy, end quote. so where does all of this, where does all this come from? Well, the original fountain, if you will, for this, uh, believe it or not, is not prim- primarily from the culture around us. We certainly do live in a culture of on the edge of our seats or you know extremes, um, but it's not indeed the, the origin of this we must indeed uh, consider and be reminded that it is part of our our culture but certainly not the full influence of our culture and it certainly has an influence in the church locally and so in this effort and in this um, influence we see a great uh, deal of influence from um, what goes back to American revivalism. Some of you may know the name Charles Finney. May have studied him a little bit, but Charles Finney, known by some as the, the father of old revivalism. Charles Finney decided that religion to be valid, to be valid, had to have some kind of of high impact, high energy, emotional element to it. So it was about, in other words, about feelings. It was about experiences that we have in the church locally where that was more important, Benny would say and teach, that that was more important, our feelings, our experiences, than sound. Theology than sound doctrine in the study thereof. So gradual growth by the ordinary means of grace. We've see it, seen it there in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. Gradual growth by the ordinary means of grace through the Word, through prayer, through fellowship, through the ordinances. We see that that was, has been and for, for many, many years has been exchanged for an experience that we might have. It was exchanged for an experience that there was introduced to the evangelical world, an impatience, an impatience for those looking for something more edgy, more um, hip, more extreme. So unfortunately for us, the church has become entangled over the years, still even till this day, entangled in selfishness. We, want, we so often want to be indulged. We want to be indulged in our selfish ways. We want, to be, we want to be entertained. And when that is the case for us, when that is the testimony for us, it only displays the church's immaturity displays her immaturity. So the God-ordained prescriptive pattern for us is slow, faithful, study and absorption of the Word of God. Slow, steady growth in grace and knowledge of Christ in the midst of a faithful congregation is far too ordinary far too ordinary for those who are looking to be entertained for those who are looking to the culture for how we might grow in the grace and knowledge of the lord jesus and so god works through as many of you have heard even from this pulpit others pulpits that god indeed does work through ordinary People, He works through ordinary people in ordinary churches using very ordinary means. Like we see here in Acts chapter 2 verse 42. And God uses these very ordinary people as instruments to move his church to impact the world in which we live in the homes in which you live in, the community in which you live in. In Acts chapter 2, we're introduced to an ordinary church, an ordinary church that was born at Pentecost. So because the apostles were there, according to verse 43, there were, you'll see there in verse 43, there were many signs and wonders taking place with the apostles. Now, that was one element that's different than the ordinary life of the church today. We don't expect that to be taking place. That's because uh, they were associated with the apostles, and there are no more apostles. And so that first church was an ordinary church. Jesus had ascended. He sent his Holy Spirit, who had then placed these believers, these 3,000, plus believers into the body of the church. He filled them with the power of the Spirit. And we see that the gospel was preached. Who was it preached by? It was preached by Peter. And 3,000 believed. They were baptized and the church was born. And so these events surrounding Pentecost were indeed extraordinary. They were indeed. But what was that first church like? What did it look like in everyday life, in that extraordinary beginning? It was ordinary for them. So even in that extraordinary beginning at Pentecost, for them in their everyday life, it was ordinary. They were involved in what we would consider to be ordinary everyday life things as we consider verse 42 of Acts 2. So verse 42, this ordinary everyday life for them was that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Did you catch it? There at verse 42. Those are means of grace that we, as a church, should be carrying out. Those are ordinary things that not only we, but every church should be engaged in. This is the life of the church. So nothing in that description there at verse 42 by the Lord's standards, and, or should I say by our standards, is spectacular at all. We would not consider that from a cultural aspect spectacular, entertaining, whatsoever. So notice with me first, there at verse 42, it begins by saying what they devoted themselves so important word to take note of, they. So if you're taking notes, who is they or who are they, correctly speaking? So that is the 3,000 souls that were saved. Those are believers, those who were, who were saved. So it's important to know that for you to be in the church or part of the church, you And to be part of an ordinary church, that that ordinary church is made up of true believers. It's made up of believers. And so, if you're among us this morning, and you're a non-believer here, we are so thankful that you are here. I praise God, and we praise the Lord that you are here uh, visiting with us. And maybe you've been here on, on multiple occasions. We are very thankful that you're here but you're not part of the church. But we want you to be part of the church, not just the church here at Emmanuel Baptist Church, but of the church universally, that you would know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so if you've never confessed your sins to the Lord, Encourage you even now to turn from your sins. Recognize your own desperate state before the Lord. And turn to Him in repentance, seeking His forgiveness. And so, as we consider those who are part of the church, there are many churches today who would like to make unbelievers feel like they're part of the church and churches uh, which think that they need to entertain to keep those people uh, a part of the church and um, make sure that we, we fill our pews by, by doing such, by meeting felt needs and, and um, having a, a spectacular Service according to what we may feel like should what it should be like according to our our standards and what we're feeling, and so in other words, like Finney, we should be providing. Um, many may say that emotional experience, but an ordinary church is a church like we see there in Thessaloni the Thess- the with the Thessalonians in. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And so here at IBC I'm very thankful for for Pastor Andy, I'm thankful for Pastor Phil, I'm thankful for um, our, our members here at Emmanuel that you take the they very seriously. The believers, that who is it that should be a part of the church, and it is those who are true believers, and so I'm very thankful that that is taken very seriously here. So, firstly, I want us to notice that an ordinary church is made up of faithful believers. Secondly, an ordinary church is a church committed to the Word of God. There at verse 42, they said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching or the apostles' doctrine. So this is a reference to the apostles who were indeed the, the agents of divine revelation. They were the spokesmen, in other words, for God. And so it was their teaching, which is now our, our New Testament, and that was the substance of the study of the early church, that's not to say, so don't please don't confuse um, that statement with the fact, well, we sh- maybe we should just read the New Testament only then. No, 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 no not at all. Um, that's, not, that's not to say that we should only be reading the New Testament, because we, we should remember the words and, um, that uh, when Jesus spoke after his resurrection and meeting the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and what did he do when they didn't recognize him in Luke chapter 24, At verse 27, he said, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so, yes, we must be in all of the scriptures, um, not just in the New Testament. And so an ordinary church is a church that is completely involved in the study of biblical truth. And so biblical truth is indeed everything. So often we, we do take it as if I have to have some type of degree in order to be able to rightly study God's Word. And it's far from the truth. Far from the truth. You personally, you personally must be engaged in the Word of God individually. Sometimes as a people we're a little skeptical about the word doctrine or or teachings um, of the word. And so that word doctrine is, you you can think of it or define it as if, hey, this is the word for teaching. So some translations of verse 42, and some of you may have this in your translation of the word. uh, Verse 42 say the apostles' doctrine. Some say the apostles' teaching. So in other words, it's just truth. That is taught truth that is taught and so i'm thankful again that that teaching dominates the church here at at emmanuel i'm so thankful for that and teaching should dominate churches throughout our land paul reminds us that an ordinary church is a church that is completely committed to the renewing of our minds. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, we can be reminded of that. Paul reminds us of that, that we should be committed, that an ordinary church is committed to the renewing of their minds through what? Through the Word of God. Not other channels from the culture, not how we necessarily feel or how much we want to be entertained by other specific things or what we might like to see happening, we first must get the ordinary things in right order. And that is the, the prescriptive. Or ordinary means that the Lord has given us for longevity, for change, for glorifying Himself. So in the well-known passage concerning the Great Commission, In Matthew 28, in verse 16 to 20, the disciples, as many of you are familiar with, were were commanded to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so this is a command that we see, even to the disciples. And it's not only to them, but it's to us as well. That we are to teach We're to to go, we're to to make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And so doctrine, sound biblical truth, is indeed at the heart of the life of the church. And so the the whole source of that truth is the scriptures. And so this is, as we see here in Acts 2, an ordinary church, not an, an extraordinary church, but an ordinary church, because it's based upon not our definition of what that might look like, but it's based upon God's definition of what it should look like. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 25, we're reminded there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, of things that we might, you know, like Finney, like so many others in our culture who've learned and been taught um, what we need every day of our lives. What we need is a gathered church. It's not things that we would put in the list when we are thinking about our own pleasures in our flesh. Paul reminds us, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men. I laugh and I kind of cheese because it's like, that it, yeah, uh, that, that's, that is truth. The very the, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God, what what has He done? He has chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God has chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Verse 29, So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so the Lord, in His kind mercy and providence, has chosen to use the the foolishness of the proclamation of His Word. Not the one standing at the pulpit or before you. But it is what proceeds out of the mouth in which God has chosen to use His very Word, His truth, the Scriptures, as you hear them, as you Read them and and, and learn them yourself. God has chosen such foolishness, but yet it's not foolishness. And so it is indeed the Holy Spirit who is at work in an extraordinary way in our lives through the Word. He's at work, the Holy Spirit, in our lives in an extraordinary way Producing, that's very key for us to remember, that we could stand here week in and week out. You, all of us, we could gather week in and week out. Seeing and and being reminded and us gathering together of these means of grace that we have before us. But are they producing what they are meant to produce in your lives individually? Individually. And it wouldn't be the fault of those means of grace if it's not the case. It would be our own. And so we must investigate our own hearts. And what that, and that's with saying that, we're, that from the pulpit, from the teaching that you are, that it's rightly taught and biblical. And that's why it is our and your. Due diligence to study, to show yourself approved as well of what you not only read and look to, but what you hear as well. And so, as we think about the Holy Spirit and His work in us, in our lives, in an extraordinary way, through the Word, producing that which is, or that which no, being reminded of, again, Horton here, it produces that which no radical, epic, revolutionary, extreme, emergent, alternative, innovative, on-the-edge, explosive entertainment, or any other thing other than God's Word could do in our lives. It is only through the work of the Spirit, that which, and through the Word, that produces such. And so thirdly, I must be reminded that the believers there, in verse 42, not shouldn't have to look far, they were not only devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, but also to koinonia. Some of you may be familiar with that word. They were devoted to fellowship. To fellowship, spiritual togetherness. So the church is a partnership or a fellowship. So we're partnering together. We're fellowshipping together. And so there's there's this emphasis there on fellowshipping together and, and what we have in common with one another as we come together in worship of the Lord. They were together. They were not just spectators. They were... Not just part-time attenders, but they were faithful to the gathered service, to the gathered flock. So these folks didn't just see just attending a service, church as something to be marked off of, of a to-do list. I love to-do list. They help me extremely. I uh, make them all the time. I'm sure many of you do as well with the different myriads of things that you have going on in your lives. Or maybe just for m- memory's sake. Uh, maybe there's not a lot going on and that, that's just a needed aid and assistance. And may that not be the case for us as we gather together that this is just a gathering. And we just have it as a to-do list, um, week in and week out. But, it's, but that it's much more than that. Like the church there in Acts chapter 2, they lived out their life in faithful fellowship with their fellow believers, day in and day out, week in and week out. So this ordinary church wasn't an event for people just to come and watch. But it was a fellowship. It was a spiritual togetherness. There was this partnership that they had together as they came together in worship of the Lord. It was a, a shared life. There are so many of you that I know personally I am. I speak, I think, accurately for even the other elders here and leadership teams that were immensely encouraged by so many of you. That's just this shared life that you want to share your life with the flock. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 and 25 reminds us, let us consider how we might stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encourage one another. Encourage one another, not being that part-time attender, not neglecting to meet together, but that we might come together, consider one another and how we might steer, steer one another up in the faith in worship of our Lord that He may receive all glory. And so it's where we use our spiritual gifts to build each other up. It's where we, we carry out those one another passages as we've talked about on a myriad of different occasions. The loving one another, instructing one another, praying for one another, sometimes rebuking uh, one another in love. Fourthly, I want us to notice the breaking of bread. And so this certainly involves the Lord's table. We will just briefly look at these last two We consider the ordinary means of grace, the breaking of bread, and the involvement of the Lord's table. Uh, Before the the Lord's table was taken, there was generally in the early church a meal that led to, concluded um, with a remembrance of the cross. And so as we consider the the fellowship, the uh, breaking of bread, um, and the prayers... We're reminded of the ordinances that the Lord has given to the uh, local church. Baptism and the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. So baptism and the Lord's table is indeed critical to the life of the church. Critical for us here locally at Emmanuel Baptist. And so and there are only these two ordinances that the Lord has given to us here at IBC. Baptism and the Lord's table. And so, lastly, I want us to notice the end of verse forty-two is prayer. The disciples had promises from the Lord in the upper room that whatever they ask in His name, the Lord would do; that the Father would uh, be glorified through the Son. Many, or maybe you feel, um, this morning as you think about even hearing that word and reminded of prayer, Uh, maybe you feel, as I've heard from from others on on more than one occasion, that no matter how much you pray, um, you feel guilty for how little you pray. And you might ask the question, Why is this? Why, Why is this? And so, is it because you get sick and tired of saying the same things over and over and over again? Oftentimes, repeating yourself with the same prayer over and over again, and you get frustrated um, by such. If that if that's you, um, there are some resources um, on prayer, particularly um, a prayer by Don Donald Whitney, a, a little book rather on praying the Bible, located in the main foyer. I encourage you to to grab a copy of one of those. It's not, we not only got some resources on just uh, praying, but On these other means of grace as well um, that are available there in the main foyer and so those are there for your aid and assistance so i encourage you to grab look at some of those and see what might be of aid and helpful and a good resource for you and so when the believers met they prayed and so an ordinary church was not an event or a spectacle where there was a a platform for, you know, this amazing person that you just can't believe. That's here, um, and that's what you're looking at. Rather than looking to who, what you might hear from that person's teaching on that given week. It was an ordinary place here at Pentecost the Church. Began where ordinary, the ordinary people of God who were genuine, genuinely converted devoted themselves to the anything but ordinary Word of God. They devoted themselves to have ordinary fellowship. They devoted themselves in faithfulness to celebrate the ordinances. And lastly, they devoted themselves to ordinary prayer to their extraordinary, radical, epic, life-changing, impactful, innovative, on the edge, whole new level, God. The things in our culture falter and they fail. If you're looking for amazing, if you're looking for extreme, if you're looking to awe-inspiring, don't look inwardly. Look to the Lord. Look to His truth. Look to His Word. We, the church, are indeed ordinary. Our God is not. He is not. I'm thankful that Emmanuel is indeed an ordinary church, aren't you? I pray that you you would. And so may we trust as we conclude these ordinary means of grace to our lives. May we trust the Lord in them. They are the means. And there's more to be said in how these work out, right? What these look like even further. We would love to talk even further um, about, you know, branches of avenue, if you will, that even extend from these particulars, but knowing we're reminded that we should be wholeheartedly trusting in these ordinary means that we see even here this morning of grace to our lives, which the Lord has given to the church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these ordinary means of grace that you have given to us. Lord, we're thankful that it is through the foolishness the proclamation of of your word that sinners can know true hope in you. We're thankful that your word and your word alone is indeed um, all truth and all sufficient for training for your glorious purposes. In your glory And so, Lord, may everything, everything that we do, even individually, may our our very lives, may everything that we do, may everything that we do here locally at IBC, may it be set up under your glorious truths. May that, what we do, flow out of your very truth, Lord. May we be able to look to your truth as we give answer, give explanation to all that we do do here at Emmanuel. Lord, I pray for those who are the they, who are believers here this morning. Pray that you would even remind them this morning, afresh and anew, of the ordinary means of grace. That they, may we all, for those who are in Christ, would afresh in a new trust in that gradual, slow, ordinary change that happens day to day, week to week, by looking to your means of grace that you have given, Lord. Lord, as we're tempted uh, to look to the things of this world, influences of those who may be struggling um, or maybe not fighting the temptations to look to, to be entertained, to uh, cling to how they're feeling, Lord, may you use us in their lives. May we fight uh, the temptations even in it to agreeance with what the Lord uses. Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in all that is done in our lives. And this morning, we pray for the unbeliever. They would indeed be a part of the church. Pray even now, Holy Spirit, that you be working in an extraordinary way, producing in them a heart of willingness to repent of their sin, and look to the only one who can forgive, and that is Christ, Jesus, knowing that he has stood in their place, granting reconciliation, granting peace, granting forgiveness, and so may they look to you, Lord. In Christ's name I do pray, amen.